Hey everybody, this is Mickey Truscott, and today we're going to be mapping meal prep in less than ideal conditions on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. This episode is part of our COVID-19 special edition. As I noted in previous editions, I recently heard one of my full body systems students refer to the COVID-15 as the weight that people are gaining as they are sheltering in place. I'm hoping that for you, we can replace that 15 with these 15 minutes or so, minutes that fuel your personal and professional health, well-being, and even your messaging to your own communities. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be talking with Mickey Trescott. Mickey Trescott is a nutritional therapy practitioner, chef, blogger, and author of the Autoimmune Paleo Cookbook and co-author of the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook. You can learn more about Mickey and her work on episode number 51 of the podcast, which will be sure to link in the show notes. Let's waste no time and dive into Mickey's wisdom on how to navigate these trying times in your kitchen. Mickey, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix, and thank you for joining me on such short notice. Of course, happy to be here. I couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about this other than you, and I'm so glad we're able to do it. And we're talking about meal prep in less than ideal conditions. I think we all know what that means right now, but we're looking at things like not being able to leave the house, some of our favorite foods being unavailable to us, stress eating. These are all the things we're facing. Anything else you're seeing that addresses these unusual conditions? The biggest thing is just that perfectionism isn't going to serve us Mm. right now, right? We have to be really open-minded and flexible within what keeps us feeling really good and really grounded. That might mean going to the store with an idea of some different options, but maybe not a concrete list of things that you need to walk out of there with. Because right now we are not experiencing a food shortage. I think that's a really important thing to pass on to our clients that the food supply chain is functioning normally. But what's happening is people that previously used to maybe go to the drive-thru all the time or eat out at restaurants all the time, or maybe eat from their freezer, maybe they're cooking now for the first time, they're actually buying ingredients. And so when we go to the store, we're used to buying all the ingredients on the regular, right? right? And now everybody's looking for the same thing to cook at home, because they're left without a lot of the options that they relied on. So just reiterating that there isn't an issue with food supply, as far as the production of fruits and vegetables and meat, but there is an issue in different localities that vary 
degree and intensity with people just going in and wiping out the shelves because they're scared and they think that all of having all these ingredients at home, whether or not they know what to do with them is going to help them get through this next little bit, right? It's such a good point, Mickey. I hadn't even thought about it like that, that the people who are typically not buying the food that we're buying are now buying that food. Such a good point. I think this is a reframe we need to understand and back up on in all aspects of this condition, even when we're looking at people losing jobs and the recession, that it isn't the same conditions as a depression. As you said, there isn't a food shortage and there also isn't a workforce shortage. There is something else going on that's new to many of us, most of us who have never lived through something like this. So here we are in this situation and we are going to the store finding what we can find, how are you recommending that people adjust and be adaptable with what they can get at the store to move out of that perfectionism? Yeah. So starting with having your heart set on a recipe, um, I think recipes are great when you're learning how to cook, maybe for the first time, and you really want the flavor and the method and everything to line up perfectly. But again, perfection is probably not what you're going to get out of the situation. It's going to cause more stress. The stress definitely tanks our immune system. So you know, we want to let go of that. But maybe having an idea of how you can structure meals that are more flexible. So this might be the time to play around with some different substitutions and swaps. What I'm doing when I go into the store is I'm thinking root vegetables. You know, I don't care if I get carrots, rutabaga, parsnips, turnips, sweet potatoes. If you can tolerate potatoes, that might work. But I'm just thinking of that as a category. And within that category, there's some starch options. There's some non-starchy options, but I'm not getting too hung up on, I need carrots because somebody might've walked in before me and bought a hundred pound of carrots because they think that that's going to make them feel secure right now. And all I've got are parsnips. So buy the parsnips and figure out once you get home, what you can swap in. And there are a lot of vegetables that can swap for each other. Carrots and parsnips are a perfect example. Winter squash and sweet potato. You know, you can do different green swapping. So I think of hearty winter greens and then more of the delicate salad greens as two different categories. So this actually might be the good time to get your hands on some of the more wild plants that a lot of people don't have the palate for. So things like arugula or radicchio, these actually in turn have a lot of antioxidants. Exactly. So they can be really good for you. So think of it as an opportunity. If you're looking at the produce section and there's a bunch of vegetables that you've never tried before, I mean, that could be fun, right? Don't Silver lining. Yeah. So breaking everything into categories, I'm looking for some hearty greens. I'm looking for some tender, delicate greens. I'm looking for some root vegetables. I'm looking for some fruit. Within those categories, I'm not going into the store particularly attached to anyone. And then also when I think about the protein options, it's the same. You know, people right. are going into the store, they're wiping out the meat counter and the throwing chicken. everything in their All freezer. the chicken is gone. Chicken's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So for people that have a pretty expanded palate, sometimes this is like not a big deal, you know, beef, bison, whatever. But there are other people that haven't really tried. If you're thinking about your clients that like really only eat chicken, you're like, "Uh oh, now they're not eating meat. It might be a good time to encourage them to try to figure out how to cook some of these things in a way that maybe isn't super putting that protein on the center stage. So the flavor of it is 
super obvious, but maybe cooking it into a soup or a stew. I have a chili recipe. I call it my magic chili. It's a root vegetable base. You can use almost any herb that's savory. So you can use sage or rosemary or thyme. You could use marjoram. It uses broth. You can use any kind of broth. It uses ground meat. You can use any ground meat. You can use pork. You can use chicken. You can use turkey, beef, venison, whatever. Root vegetables, whatever root vegetables you got. So that's something that we've got going on on repeat in our house. And instead of trying to plan a big batch cook where I go to the store and I get all these specific things, I'm just going to the store with an open mind, getting my hands on whatever I can that looks good in a reasonable quantity, and then coming home and cooking a big batch for dinner every night and freezing the leftovers and banking those leftovers in the freezer. So my goal is to have a couple weeks of food for my husband and I, you know, should something come up, should we get sick, should a family member get sick and really have our attention diverted elsewhere. You know, food is security for people who really get their health from the way that they eat and the way that they live. A lot of us can get really afraid when we think that that might be disrupted. So hopefully you guys find that helpful. Yeah, that is super helpful. I think my number one takeaway there, Mickey, is flexibility. But I also heard a number of other things in what you shared. So much brilliance about the fact, again, that we're not experiencing a food shortage, but people may be cooking at home for the first time. So if you are listening and you are a coach or clinician that tends to work with people who are more accustomed to takeout or going to Whole Foods even and getting takeout from there or drive-through, know that people are going to need help cooking right now, that there's a lot of things we can do just to support our communities in eating at home. And then Mickey, as you said, for those of us who are reliant on our food for eating a certain way, we do need to take this opportunity, quote unquote, to be more flexible and to think about banking some of that food for both our peace of mind, but also what might be to come. What about those herbs that you mentioned? They're a huge part for me of how we support and modulate our immune response. Are you using those? I know you live in an area, you're probably growing your own herbs, but for those of us who are not growing our own herbs, is there something that you're recommending that we stock up on or look for in the store, fresh, dried? So the two herbs that I almost always buy when I can get my hands on them are parsley and cilantro. So you guys are probably familiar with the effects, the heavy metal chelating effects of both of those, but also they're actually the highest ounce per ounce source of vitamin C and they have to be eaten raw because vitamin C is degraded when you cook something and they tend to be a garnish. So a lot of people are familiar with and a lot of different cuisines. We throw a little sprinkle of parsley or sprinkle of cilantro, but those are actually one of the practices in my eating that I think is really important to carry through even in a time of crisis and stress because giving our body that fresh little kick of something to help it deal with what we're being um, subjected to both just in the stress and going out in our environment and everything is really important. And it also makes our food taste good. So if you guys can focus on those, I would really focus on them. I like to keep them in a little jar of water and then covered with plastic in the refrigerator and they can last up to a couple weeks Mm. like that. So if you're just bagging them and letting them go in the bottom of the drawer, they're only going to last a few days, especially cilantro starts going bad after like two days. But something else you can even do is put the bottoms in water and put them in a windowsill. If it's not too bright and too hot, you know, they're a little bit picky. They kind of like the in-between humid (laughs) temperatures. They'll even grow a little bit for you. If you want to focus on two, those are the ones I'd focus on. The other herb 
herbs that are more pungent, you know, like your rosemary, your oregano, it's fine if you can't find them fresh or if you don't have like a pot and your sill, you can buy those dried. I think, of course, the flavor and the potency is a little better if they're fresh. But again, perfectionism out the window right now, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely out the window. What about what we do with our groceries when we come home? Have you been doing any different practices about cleaning things than you were previously? Yes. So one thing that I'm doing right now is I'm buying all of my pantry items online. And I'm doing this for two reasons. One is that the transit time of everything inside the package, they're showing that the virus only lives for about 24 hours on cardboard and maybe another day or two on things that are plastic or metal. So with the transit time of bulk food items, I order from Thrive Market, which right now is has like a two week delay, everything inside that package is probably going to be safe. And so I can take the package wipe down the outside, unbox it outside, bring everything in. And then I'm assuming everything inside is fine. And I'm buying all of my spices, my cooking oils, my household items that I use for cleaning, dry goods, some backup lentils and split peas, which are not things that I would normally eat on a regular basis, but they're what I consider emergency food. I know I can tolerate them well enough to have on hand in case I actually couldn't get to the store. So that is decreasing the load of food that I need to get at my local grocery store. And it's also preserving that food being on the shelves for people in my community, right? Those people that maybe haven't bought ingredients before and now need that stuff. So when I go to the store, I'm basically just buying produce. And my system is that I have a low supply of sanitizing wipes, as I'm sure if you guys have any, anything like that, it's great. But you know, everyone's doing the best we can. I think I've got like five wipes left. So you know, real life here, but I'm trying to sanitize my cart. I am using bags, which I previously had my own mesh bags. And now I'm just using the ones because the roll, I mean, that's a pretty sanitary situation. I'm bagging all my groceries. Of course, you have to go through the checkout. My store has a pretty accessible bathroom that doesn't involve any hands. So I'll go through checkout. I'll leave everything in the cart. I'll go wash my hands after I check out because I think that the checkout situation is the most germy situation. And then I'll bring everything into my car and then I'll drive home. And I actually bring very few things into the store with me. So I won't bring my phone. I'll just bring the one credit card that I'm using just because then it decreases the amount of things that I have to wash down when I get home. Then when I do get home, I bring everything to my porch, I unbag everything, all of the vegetables go to get washed right away. And then my bags go straight into the laundry along with my clothes, my shoes stay outside probably seems like an elaborate ritual, especially because I'm married to someone who's a healthcare worker and is getting exposed at work, but it really does make me feel better. And I think in these times, as long as those practices that are making us feel good and feel secure aren't disrupting our lives and causing needed stress, there's no reason not to do it, right? Yeah. That was so great, Mickey, because you took us into the realm of really knowing how to take care of you. You are number one. And whether that level of cleanliness at this point is needed or not, we just don't know. And you're doing it for you. You're doing it for your peace of mind. So I just want to say kudos to you and thank you for sharing that. We all have some things we can be doing. Are you washing vegetables differently or with anything? No. So I'm washing them when I get home just rinsing them with water and kind of like scrubbing them with my hands. I'm not washing them specifically with anything. Um, 
And then I'm putting them away. And then when I cook them again, I'm giving them another wash, you know, trying not to give in to that perfectionism and trying to like fight an invisible battle against something um, that I can kind of I can get into that in a bad way. I've determined that that's good enough for me. I know a lot of people that I'm connected to in my practitioner community who think that that's way too far. And they're assuming the risk of their produce possibly being contaminated and just like that they're doing the best they can. One thing that I did notice, pick where you shop carefully because um, I shop at natural grocers. They are a national chain and they are taking the sanitation of their stores and their workforce very seriously. When I'm in there, all of their workers have gloves. They have a person at all times that's dedicated to sanitizing the store. So they're going around with a cart full of wipes and hitting all the handles and everything. I can tell through interacting with the employees that they're feeling as supported as they can in these times. So a good reminder to evaluate where you're shopping and the places that are taking care of their workforce are probably the places you want to shop at, right? Because hopefully it's meaning that people aren't coming to work sick. And also thank your checkers. You guys, Mm -hmm. I've had so many conversations in the last month with checkers who are just experiencing so many rude people that are just really scared. And so I'm making a point to really look them in the eye and just say like, thank you so much for showing up, for putting up with all of this and for ensuring that we have the safest food to eat. You know, they're really taking care of us right now. Yeah, such a good reminder. We need to be thanking your hubby and our grocery checkout staff. That's so important. What about at home? If there are any final comments you have for us and for us to be sharing with our communities, you said that you were cooking in batches and freezing some. Any freezing tips or any other kitchen tips that you can share? Yeah, so soups and stews are going to be your best friend when it comes to freezing. So I'm making lots of broth and then I I'm repeating a bunch of ideas, not really recipes, but I have like a chili idea. I have chicken soup stew idea. Um, I have like a pork and cabbage or a ground meat and cabbage stew idea. And I just kind of hitting these ideas on repeat with whatever vegetables and herbs I can get and then banking them in the freezer so that when I'm starting to pull things out of the freezer, it's not like I have 24 of the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to get sick of that. So it's a way to kind of vary. One thing that I love to do is freeze in the wide mouth ball jars with BPA free lids. I find them the perfect quantity for one serving. So it can be really easy to look in the freezer and go like, okay, I have 24. That's going to be 12 meals for the two of us. I also recommend using freezer tape and labeling what it is in the date on the top, of course, so you don't lose track of anything. And then another thing you can do is bank sauces, because if you have a big batch of protein, something that people get irritated by is just, you know, you roast a whole chicken, you're eating chicken night after night, just gets kind of tired. If you've maybe banked things like like I have a turmeric sauce, I like to make pestos, you can freeze all of these in pretty small jars or even ice cube trays and then transfer them into bags or other storage containers. And then just pop a cube of pesto or two into a skillet with some leftover shredded chicken or, or whatever. And then you can kind of remix that. It doesn't have to be the same night after night. There are three major words I'm going to take away from this conversation. And I knew you would be brilliant, Mickey, but you really did add so much to this conversation conversation. I learned so much today, but flexibility is key. I love that you talked about like a chicken idea, a beef idea. I love that. So 
that we can remember to be flexible as opposed to being so stuck in our ways of, oh, I can't make that because it doesn't have X, Y, Z. And this idea of banking our food to uh, free some of what we make, put some away so that we have it in the bank for later. So brilliant, Nikki. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much. And hang in there, everyone. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and production support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook, along with sound production by Rowan Bradley. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, please go to 15minutematrix.com dot com forward slash notify will drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready and waiting for you. You have an open invitation to email us. Please do. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15 minute matrix. You can email us at ask at 15 minute matrix dot com.